the Business and Leadership Podcast with Jared Graybeal. Hey guys, welcome back to the Business and Leadership Podcast. Today's episode is interview number six of season two. We've got Ryan Fisher uh, as a guest interview today. Ryan Fisher has a long list of a resume. I'll just run through it to give you a little bit of context. Ryan did BMX as a kid, ran track, played all sport lacrosse, football. Uh, In 2010, you, uh, you were in the Olympics for bobsled and skeleton. You competed for the CrossFit Regional seven times. Uh, you're a helicopter pilot. You own one of the uh, top affiliate CrossFit gyms in the in the country, or maybe even in the world. Chalk Performance Training, and you've got one of the top fitness podcasts called Real Chalk. Ryan, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. Dude, stoked to be here. <laughs> Finally, <laughs> right? Um, stoked to have a good con- a good connection. For those of you who don't don't know, we we tried this already. We were getting too much lag, so. <laughs> so much love for you guys that we tried all over again. They missed all the good parts. Um, well, yeah, man, thanks again for being on the show, Ryan. I want to, you know, this particular podcast, I like to cover things that are relevant to business, primarily in the fitness industry. And I think that building a good business, there's all sorts of leadership involved in that. So I want to talk a little bit about that. But, um, man, I'm just, I'm super interested in your story, how you got here. A ton of stuff. I got a ton of questions. So, all right, um, all right. I'll just dive right always in. good. How'd you get into fitness, Ryan? Like, was it because I have like a story, right? That transition into fitness. Did you? I mean, because you played sports so young, like, was it just like you just woke up and you were a fitness person, or was there something that happened? Well, I was always addicted to like riding my bicycle as a kid. It's interesting. I'm actually wearing a bike shirt right now. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I I remember just like riding my bicycle like all over the place, and I eventually met this kid who his parents owned a gym and I grew up in a place called Tom's river in New Jersey. And the kid was like, Hey, why don't you go to the gym with me and come work out? And I was like, Oh, okay, sure. Like, you know, I'm like 12 years old. Like I wasn't allowed in the gym, but I could go because his parents owned it. And I remember working out in there and there was this guy, this one time, his name was Pavle. And I'll never forget seeing this guy. He just like had the most ridiculous body you'd ever seen. Like he, he wasn't like the super bodybuilder big like everybody in the gym, but he like had, you could see all his veins and he just like, he just looked like someone you wanted to look like. And he was doing box jumps with like 30 pound dumbbells in his hands. And he was like making a bunch of noise, doing power cleans, which I had never seen before. This is super, super interesting because there's a part to this story I'm going to get to in a minute. that's going to blow your mind, but he wound up being on the Olympic bobsled team. I went over to him and asked him like who he was and what he was doing. And it's so interesting because he told me that and it just like rang a bell. Like my favorite movie as a kid was Cool Runnings. You know, and I I remember watching that movie. And then go ahead and fast forward like maybe like 10 to 15 years from that moment. And I had seen that same guy at the um, at the Olympic Training Center in Park City, Utah. And I was like, hey, man, do you remember me when I was like 12 years old? And he was like a it, – it took him a, like about five to ten minutes before I like kept giving him a bunch of little breadcrumbs until he figured it out. But he was like such a huge influence in my life. And not to bring this into like a full circle of sadness, but it's so interesting because he actually just passed away yesterday. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And it was in, it was in the news and everything. And he's still in my hometown and all that, but like, he was a huge inspiration for me. And I remember just like seeing him and it it just like, it made me want to go to the gym and made me want to work out really hard. And there's a bunch of other things that kind of bring it all together. But that was the first moment in my mind that I can remember like wanting to work out really hard, like for something versus like, just look good. That's actually a really interesting story, man. Yeah. Um, RIP though, you know, I just found out yesterday. It was, it was crazy. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry about your loss. I'm sure that, you know, um, that's tough, even though maybe you weren't super close with him, but that's, I wasn't really close to him or anything like that, but it was, you know, it's like, you know, one of your idols passing away yeah. kind of sucked, but it is what yeah. it is. Well, it sounds like he lived a pretty good life. Well, from, from at least, you know, competitive athlete standpoint. Yeah. Um, so man, what, so you're, uh, 
your website, Jim Ryan. What's the story behind that? Is that what people just started calling you or? <laughs> I think it's funny that a lot more people don't ask me about that. Uh, I think right now, like if you were to follow me, you'd be like, man, this guy does so many things, right? But I like to think of it as everything kind of started with just the gym. So that's where Jim Ryan comes from. It's like okay. it all started with a gym. And I also think that like, you know, Ryan Fisher fit or, you know, something such fit or something fitness. Like you, you see all these things on Instagram. I was like, well, no one really incorporates, you know, bringing fitness in with the word gym in it. <laughs> and I just happen to have a, a cool name that rhymes with it. And I remember always being a big fan of Jim Jones growing up too, like being in the space and working out. Do you know Jim Jones? Mm-mm. Well, I mean, like I know of a rapper, Jim Jones, so not like a. So Jim Jones is G-Y-M as well. And then it's J-O-N-E-S. And he's actually the, the, the trainer who actually created Jim Jones. His name is Mark Twite. And he was the, he was the person who got everybody fit for the movie 300. Okay. So when the movie 300 came out, everybody's like, oh my God, all these people are so ripped and this and that. And then all of a sudden Men's Health Magazine came out with everybody from 300 on the cover. And everybody wanted to know where they trained and what they did and what their routine was. And they wound up becoming this whole uh, regime that was under this guy, Mark Twite, and his gym was called Jim Jones. And at the time, it was in Salt Lake City, Utah. And that's when I was training for the Olympics. And you were not allowed to go to the gym. There was no address on the website. You had to call someone and have like a mental fucking interview just to even see if they could accept you into the gym. But every once in a while, you'd be walking around Salt Lake City and you'd see a shirt that said Jim Jones on it. And all you wanted to do was go to that gym, but you couldn't. And even if you talk to the person about it, like, hey, man, like, I'd love to go there. They'd be like, I can't help you. It's just like such a secretive place. And that's just like something that always resonated with me, too, is like, I want everybody in my gym to want to be here. Like everybody who does my programming, they know that it's hard. And I do that on purpose. Like, I, I don't want everyone to be there. Like, I only want the people who are ready to work to be there. And there's, a, there's actually a quote on the wall. Uh, when you walk in and it says, welcome to the place where um, everyone here has decided that easy will no longer suffice. Love it. So it's pretty cool. When did you open your gym? 2000, either 13 or 14. (laughs) It was my six year anniversary, May 1st. So like not too long ago. That's awesome. Yeah. About 10 days ago, 11 days ago. Same. We are, ours is pretty much May 1st. We're five years old. Uh, yeah, my my company. That's so cool, man. Um, what made you choose Newport Beach? Of like all the, you know, all the places. Across. So, I actually moved from Utah to San Diego, and was running a gym out there. Hated it. Quit my job uh, because I hated it so much. Thought that I was cool enough to get another job, like no problem. And that wasn't the case. This was kind of like where my story kind of takes a turn, and I become like homeless and stuff. And was sleeping on couches and didn't really have anything and was stealing food and not a lot of good things happening for me. Actually was a point where I went to jail for a few days, did a bunch of fucked up stuff. So after all that, I wound up getting a job in LA working with Ronnie Teasdale, if you remember him. You remember him at all? No? Mm-hmm. Well, he had this cool gym in LA. It was called CrossFit Mean Streets. It was like right in downtown. He was a good athlete. He wanted me to come down there and work for him. I needed a job. So I went and I hated living in LA with all my heart. So I was always looking for another place to go. And then I met this kid named Kenny Leverich who went to the CrossFit Games a few times at a nearby competition. He just like really liked me a lot. We were really close on every event. And he's like, dude, you should come down and train with me in Newport Beach. And I had never even heard of Newport Beach. I was like, I'd heard of San Diego. I'd heard of LA. I'd heard of like, you know, these big name places but I'd never heard of Newport beach. And I went down and I was like, man, this is cool. Like this is way cooler than LA. And then before I knew it, I had like basically packed all my stuff. I left, I came out here. I moved in with that kid, Kenny, who went to the CrossFit games a few times. We trained together every single day. And that's kind of, kind of how it was. And you know, you know, the funny thing is I don't think it would have mattered if I was living like in a cabin in Montana. Like I was just in the gym all day, every day training. And it didn't really matter like what my surroundings really were. But having somebody like that to train with every single day and to like just bleed love for the sport every single day was such a cool time. Like yeah. I, it's, it's something I'll never forget. I, I loved every second of it. 
That's really cool. And it's fascinating how like every story, there's usually a person, you know what I mean? Like there's usually like one catalyst and that catalyst is usually one person. And then it like brings on this whole other story, which ultimately like brought you here, which I think is fascinating, right? It seems like you're doing really well. You seem really happy. Um, So what got you into CrossFit? Um, So for a little bit, like, I don't know a ton. I remember CrossFit. I'm from Lakeland, Florida, which is a small town in central Florida. And we had one of the first 50 affiliates ever, CrossFit Lakeland. Um, and like I was 17, I think, and uh, or 16. I had just started lifting in the gym, like a YMCA. And my buddy invited me and he's like, yeah, man, it's sick. Like they do kettlebell swings or climbing ropes and like doing sprints and stuff. And I'm like, I don't want anything to do with that. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you didn't mention bench press once. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, I'd never got involved. And then, you know, um, starting the, you know, around the time I started the company, I did bodybuilding and then I did powerlifting. And so for the past year and a half, I've been like only a CrossFitter, you know, because once you go for a good little bit, you're pretty much addicted. Um, so I haven't been in this space for super long. I don't, I don't know like a lot of the history and the old regional athletes and new region, you know, like mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, so what got you into it? Well, after, so in 2010 was the year of the Olympic games and I'd been training for like four or five years and I tore my hamstring and didn't actually get to compete in the Olympics. So it's like all this training for nothing. And it was like every four years, you know, and I was like, well, I have to decide if I want to do another four years towards this or if I want to try something else or if I want to go back to school. And there was this guy in my gym at the time doing all that CrossFit stuff. And he would always like beg me to like come by the gym and and try it out and whatever. And after all that stuff had happened, I was like, man, I just don't know if I can stick it out another four years. It's so tough. And like, you don't make any money. And it wasn't really about money. It was just like, the idea of going to world championships takes four years again. Like, I mean, yeah, there's a world championship every year for every sport. People don't realize that like the Olympics is really just the same thing that happens every year at world championships. It just happens to be on TV, but like the big show, like the big thing that you really want to be a part of is every four years. And I remember just being like, I just don't know if I can do that again. I'm going to be, you know, whatever the age was. I was like, fuck, I'm going to be old. And then I was like, I'm going to try something new. So then I, you know, I got into the CrossFit stuff. And before I knew it, like it it wasn't very long, like six months I was on the scene and there was articles about me everywhere. Like I was beating some of the best times in the world, just in like this little gym in Utah and no one had ever heard of me. And like, I mean, it, it was, it was cool. Like I was, I felt like a superstar and it was, it was the start of something really cool. And it kind of, it all kind of worked out. That is awesome. Would you say that you're a natural athlete? Like you just say some of this stuff comes pretty easy for you or are you all grit? You know what I mean? Uh, to say I'm a natural athlete is probably not the greatest term because there's some things I'm terrible at. Like you want me to like go play soccer. I'm probably not gonna be very good at it or <laughs> anything like anything like that. Like I'm just like, like, uh, so, like I, I can't just pick up anything, but if it's like relatively extreme, I feel like I'm really good at it. Okay. If you can get hurt doing it. I'm usually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, the, the hand-eye coordination stuff. I've never been great at like baseball, basketball, Same. soccer. Um, yeah, like I skateboarded and then lifted weights. I played football when I was young, and I just was just good because you could like I could just run through people. Um, because I'm little, you know, I was little. I guess I'm less little now. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was never like. I couldn't throw the ball far and I'm not going to catch it if you throw it far. Um, yeah. Small hands. So lifting weights is sort of natural for me, I, but like Olympic stuff is not natural for me. Like the bench squat deadlift, I excel that quickly. It's, you know, they're simple movements. Um, you can perfect them, but like, dude, snatch it. I mean, I'm working at it all. Right. But like, yeah, all that stuff, I mean, it's totally different. Was that stuff pretty easy for you? Like clean and jerk, like, yeah. Most of that stuff. The only thing that was ever hard for me in CrossFit was uh like stringing together like toes to bar and like doing butterfly pull-ups, like those like very skillful things took me probably longer than the average person. But some of the other stuff like I was just so good at 
like when I first came into CrossFit, I could snatch 275, clean and jerk 315. I could back squat like f- over 500 pounds. Uh, yeah, that helps. Yeah, it helps quite a bit. And I was yeah. like a, you know, I was a small dude. I was like 175 pounds, five foot five. And I would fucking just, I was so much stronger than everybody. Like I was snatching 275 when like 225 was cool. Yeah. And like I was snatching 500 when like Rich Froning only had like a three, or I was squatting 500, Rich Froning only had like a 365 squat. Yeah. And I actually purposely did a video of me doing 365 for 20. And then they posted that on the CrossFit Games website. And they're like, dude, this guy's a fucking freak show. Man. Because um, I, also, I also had like a 505 mile. So like I was super strong, but was also really, really fast. Yeah. Dude, that's awesome, man. It is, it is not easy for me. Uh, like the, the actual athletic component of CrossFit has been the greatest challenge. Like running. Um, I mean, I can do box jumps all day, but like, being fast and then lifting heavy and doing it with good form. Like I love it because it's such a challenge. I mean, cause bodybuilding gets old or it got old for me and powerlifting is that gets old. It got old for me. Um, so this is just a whole new dynamic and I think it's fascinating. Now. Um, what is your favorite watt favorite? Like if you one watt. That's tough. <laughs> um, I've always liked like Helen, which is like, 400 meter run, 21 kettlebell swings, 12 pull-ups for three rounds. It's just a nasty burner. I love pull-ups. I love kettlebell swings. It's just like a yeah. fast little go-to. I've done it like with the assault bike, with the rower, different versions of it. But I mean, these days I'm more into like the, the that high intensity interval bodybuilding stuff that I kind of trademarked. And I mix together like a lot of the bodybuilding stuff that I love with a lot of the conditioning that I loved yeah. about CrossFit. So if, if I had to say anything, I, I just love anything that has like a lot of legs and a lot of chest and a lot of conditioning all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I have to like, cause you know, for me, I want to be better at CrossFit just for the sake of, of getting better at something. And I can lean towards the high intensity interval bodybuilding because like naturally I want to be much better at that. Um, yeah. So like force myself to do some type of four minute Metcon. You know what I mean? Um, well, the big reason I don't compete anymore is because my left knee is like completely degenerated. So I don't have any, I don't have any cartilage or meniscus left in there. It's just all bone on bone. I'm just eventually when the knee, when the pain is too much, I'll have to get a knee replacement. Yeah. So once that got to the point where it was just really, really bad, where I just like everyday life just started to hurt, I stopped. And then that's kind of how the whole intent, like the whole interval bodybuilding stuff was born because I had to do slower lifts, like, you know, presses and like now I do like a lot more lunges so that, you know, I'm not going below parallel. Like everyone always, cause I squatted, like a, I did like a 420 pound lunge in Sweden this year wow. from the rack on each leg. And everybody's like, how is that possible? Your knees are always fucked up. You always talk about it. I'm like, well, you're not really going below 90 degrees. Your knee hits the ground and you're at 90. Yeah. Like once I go below, it's like excruciatingly bad. Mm-hmm. So I added a lot of these things together and then, I was like, well, I still like all this conditioning stuff. So then I kind of just created the interval bodybuilding deal, which exploded. Yeah. And yeah, now it's like everywhere. Seems to be pretty big. I, I love that. I mean, um, I love follow. I mean, you're probably one of my favorite people in definitely top favorite people in program design. Um, and then, which I, I, you know, Marcus Philly, what is he, what is his called? It's a little different. It's like, this is functional bodybuilding. Functional bodybuilding. Love both yeah. of the program. And I love that they're, they're a lot different. And, and yeah, that, we, we love that. Actually, Marcus and I talk to each other like probably every two weeks. Like we know that we're like competitors for each other. But at the same time, like we have a lot of stuff we like to talk to each other about. Yeah. So, I mean, I love his stuff too. His is more, it's, it's dope bodybuilding stuff, but a little bit more on the rehab end. And then mine's like dope bodybuilding stuff a little bit more on the kill yourself end. <laughs> so it's like, if you like that just gnarly painful stuff, that's me. And then if you like the little bit slower, more methodical, like, you know, PhD type of approach to it, that's, that's yeah. his stuff. It's a good way to explain it. What, um, for you, I mean, I'm sure you've had a handful of injuries and, um, dealt with different stuff throughout the past 20 years. Um, what, what would you say is like your best 
corrective exercise hack or maybe even like a tool, right? Like, um, you know, you've got the I got this voodoo floss or something like that. Yeah. So for sure, like one of the biggest things that plagued me during my career besides like my knees hurt for a really long time, but I tore labrums in both of my shoulders and I decided to not get surgery and I just did rehab and the little things that I did were something that I kind of just started intertwining with everything. So just doing like this stupid, like high rep band stuff. I think what, what it is, is a lot of people and, and, and me included hundred percent, like, I don't feel like I'm doing shit unless I'm lifting massive weights for like a ton of volume. Right. But recently actually with the whole COVID thing, I've actually been incorporating more bands than ever, even though what I'm trying to get at is like just using these bands in general and doing a lot of high rep kind of therapy style things will definitely make your body, your body bulletproof. But during this whole COVID thing, I have been doing so many different variations of band work, so much stuff with just dumbbells and then adding the bands as resistance towards a dumbbell movement. Even if it's just like a simple tricep extension overhead, you know, you anchor that band on the ground, wrap it around the, tr- the dumbbell and then mm-hmm. make your tricep extension. Like all of a sudden you just turn this 20 pound dumbbell into a 50 pound dumbbell. But then also just like banded pull aparts, like, you know, eyes, Y's and T's with a band, just like so many of the little movements that you can hit like sets of, you know, 50 reps. And that, that little stuff literally does make you bulletproof. And I think it's something that I wish I did earlier in my career, but I just thought it was stupid shit. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. and even still, like, there's one thing I never did. Like I never, ever stretch or do mobility ever. And people always ask me about it. Yeah. People always like, do you ever do mobility or stretch? I'm like, no, I ain't got fucking time for that. Yeah. My, um, we, we've got the CrossFit that I go to here. It's CrossFit Black Hive. And, uh, the, the owner, his name's Brent. And, um, the dude is a machine, easily the best athlete at the gym. And there's a good handful of great athletes there. Um, and he never stretches, never warms up. He's like RoboCop. Um, but, uh, he's about like my high similar build and stuff. And I'm like, Brent, uh, why why don't you ever stretch? And he's like, well, I tried that for a little while once and it didn't work for me. And I'm like, what does that mean? (laughs) I wonder what a little while even was. I wonder if that was like an hour or like a month. (laughs) It's like, he'll walk to the gym and be like, Jared, you ready? I'm like, no, I need like an hour. Like, dude, it's so funny. That's literally everybody's probably description of me in the gym. Oh man, God bless you, dude. I'm I'm the polar opposite. And sometimes I try to like psych myself out and say, well, it's in my mind, right? Like let me let me just go in and it. like that's not <laughs> it's probably not. Like I have to do, do like everything, like 30 yeah. to 40 minutes of mobility work before I lift. Um, oh my god, I I would never be able to work out. I, it takes a lot of time, but I love exercise, you know, like yeah you know probably no more than you but like knowing that i have to do that that time has to be allocated before the workout like because i'm just going to feel so much more pain if i just start the workout um i've got a couple you know disc herniations and stuff so like hamstring tear pec tear like yeah all sorts of stuff um i was gonna say like do you use go wad mobility wad or rom wad anything like that no nope got it um, the bands though, it is one of those things that like, I'll get into it and then I'm like, Oh, I feel good. And I don't do it for months. You know what I mean? Then I get hurt again and I'm like, let me go back to bands. And then I yep. stop doing it again. So I need to jump back on that. Um, yeah. Cause everybody just wants the sexy muscles. Like there really is so much going on. That's not sexy. Yeah. Like you really have to work on, but that's, it's that's just true. getting people to believe it. Like everybody's going to say that they're fine until they're not. Mm. Like they're like, dude, I don't need any of that. And I'm fine. I don't need this. I don't need that. And it's like one day, like you're just going to need it. Yeah. I feel like I need it all the time, man. Um, so, uh, I want to talk a little bit about, you mentioned, you know, sleeping on the couch, kind of somewhat rock bottom. Uh, and this yeah. might be the instance, but what's, what's the greatest obstacle that you've had to overcome to get to where you are today? Would that be it? You know what I think mine probably was, was when I got in trouble competing. I don't know if you remember that I threatened to murder the judge. Yeah. So I don't remember it. Like I wasn't watching, but I've read about it. <laughs> you know? So yeah. like, yeah. 
So I would say, well, just a quick recap. Like I was at regionals the year before I got fourth place. I was one place off of going to the games. And I, this next year going in, I was like a fucking savage dude. I was so, it was the best year of my life. Like I was in the best shape. I was in the top three. I was like going to go to the games, like no matter what. My favorite event of the weekend pops up. It's 21-15-9, deadlifts at 3-15, and box jumps. I was literally, like, so far ahead of everybody. And I knew I was going to win the event. And it was going to, like, definitely secure my spot. And then before I knew it, like, you know, this guy comes over and just starts saying, no rep, no rep, no rep. And then I just freaked the fuck out. Like, my whole flashback of my life, like, sleeping on couches and, you know, getting in trouble and all the years I had put into, you know, all of this. And I just, I didn't even know I even said it. I had to watch the video myself later on. And I just like, I look at the guy, I'm like, I want to fucking kill you. They're like freaking the fuck out. And it was probably like seeing like Johnny Macaroe on the tennis court, but like just a dude like crossfitting, doing deadlifts. And I was just like freaking out. And it wound up just being this huge thing. Like they, they basically put me on the website as like a maniac. And someone who like went against all the rules and, you know, who basically should be just banished from the sport. And it was a huge deal. Like the whole world was like, wow, this guy's fucking out of his mind. And actually, instead of getting all the negative feedback, there was a lot of people that were like, yeah, he's an asshole. He's this, he's that. Or like, maybe I'm on steroids or something. That's why I'm freaking out. Like they had all these negative things to say. And then a lot of people were like, you know what? Dave Castro is actually a douchebag for doing this. Like you can't just single somebody out and make them look like that, like all over the public, like, and, and post it on the website and all this stuff. I thought about like suing them for defamation of character. It was like, mm. dude, it was such a big deal. My mom was like crying. Cause yeah. she's like, I don't ever want you to open a gym. I don't want you to be part of this sport anymore. Like your name is ruined. And I mean, she was right. Like my name was ruined after that. Like, if you even said you like worked out at Ryan Fisher's gym or like you knew Ryan Fisher or anything, you were like, Oh, that guy, it was like such a thing. And then for the next two years, I just kept going to regionals and I didn't care. Maybe three, actually, maybe three or four years actually after that, I still went. But every time I went, they never judged me fairly. Like competing for me was never the same. And even when I went to competitions, like the judges would look at me and be like, Oh my God, I have to fucking judge this guy. And it just like, it kind of gave me the confidence that I needed to kind of get away from the sport. And then eventually my very last time going to regionals, I watched a video of me snatching 275 and like, I'm totally crooked to save my left knee. That's all fucked up. And that was the day where I was like, all right, I'm done. Like, yeah. you know, the sport doesn't care about me and you know, these weights don't give a fuck about me right now either. And now it's time for me to like do something do something for me, like in terms of my actual life, you know, like we put so much effort into the sport. Like a lot of us athletes, not just me, but there's so many athletes out there have put so much effort into the sport. They don't have anything to show for it. That kid, Kenny, that I grew up with or that I worked out with, I shouldn't say grew up, but like we lived together for three years. He went to the CrossFit Games in that window that we lived together all three years. And I didn't go during those three years. And he still has like nothing to show for all this amazing athleticism, all this hard work that he put in. And, you know, there's girls that didn't even make it to the CrossFit games who they just do CrossFit, but they market themselves and they make more money than the girls who are at the CrossFit games. Yeah. So I started putting together like some of these things that social media was coming along. And I was like, you know what? Like, it's not about like the money thing, but it's like, Hey, like I should have a certain amount of money that reflects the amount of hard work that I put into my life. And it's like, all right, well, I'm going to take away, you know, maybe like 20% of my athletic career and put it into business. I'm still going to work out like a fucking savage 80% of the time, but I'm going to take out a little bit. And then it started to pay off for me. And I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll take out just a little bit more, just a little bit more. And I started realizing that I started training less. I looked the same. My business was growing. And I was helping more people. Like people were more stoked because I was devoting more time to them. Like if you called me during my athletic days, I wouldn't even want to talk to you. I'd be like, hey, bro, I got to go. Like I, I got to go eat or I got to go sleep or I got to go get another training session in or whatever. And I, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's an unhealthy lifestyle. It's so gnarly. 
And yeah. eventually I just figured out a happy medium of like, you know, now I only work out like an hour, hour and a half a day. If I'm lucky, I'll get an extra bike ride. Like I'll get like, I love to ride my bike. That's one of my favorite things to do. So I'll go ride my bike. So there is definitely days I work out for like four hours because I get my bike ride in. But that to me is like time that you would spend at home, maybe reading a book or something like that. Like that, that to me is like my meditation time. Yeah. At leisure. But yeah, it's, it's crazy how everything to me kind of shifted into the business realm. And now I've, I've gotten like really, really good at the business stuff. And I, I, don't, I don't think people realize like how much stuff I actually have going on. Yeah. Well, but it's, it's, it's been pretty rewarding now. Like I, I can't believe I like, I, I wake up every day and I'm like blown away. Like my neighbors are fucking like the lawyer for the treasury of state and like plastic surgeons and I'm yeah. walking around with, I like walk outside and, and we'll have like an Iron Maiden t-shirt and I get into my like $200,000 fucking car that I have and they're like, what the fuck do you do? And I'm, and I'm like, I sell fitness programs and, like, <laughs> and I'm like 20 years younger than them and it's just like, it's the craziest thing. Like I've, I, I used to always ask what other people did my whole life. Like, how did you buy that house? How did you do this? How did you do that? And now the people that do all that are asking me what I do. It's, it's insane. Yeah, that's super rewarding, man. And I think it's, it, it says something about the value of like athleticism or a competitive, I don't know what I'm, you know, a competitive mindset. Cause it's like you reallocated your work ethic from CrossFit to business. You know what I mean? Um, that same passion sort of just seeped into the business world and now you've balanced it. You get to live both. Cause if one thing irks me, it's like your friends that you used to lift with that are now, you know, working full time or whatever, and they just lose their body. And you're like, what'd you do? And they're like, what? Someone's got to work. And I'm like, I work like, yeah, I just do both. You know, like why, yeah. why, why not take care of yourself and like crush the gym every day and then crush the business world too. I think they go hand in hand. I don't think I could do anything work wise without the workout. Mm -hmm. I look forward to it. I need to do it for sure. You, so what do you think was like the greatest lesson you learned in that? I mean, are you, are you the type of person, you know, everything happens for a reason, the judge, like you're happy that happened because it pushed you into the business world or are you just kind of like things just happened and how they happened and I ended up here? I always think everything happens for a reason. Like I'm, I'm not like weird hippie or anything like that, but I do think like my whole life, just the weirdest fucking shit has happened to me. Like I can go on for days. Like I never even met my dad until I was 24 years old. And there was like a very specific reason for that. And, you know, I grew up with like seven brothers and sisters and I don't even talk to any of them. And there's a reason for that. Like there's like, like every single, like the, uh, the, the, the town that I, that I live in now, like the, the people that I meet, it's crazy. Like I really think that a lot of things just kind of fall into place, but they're not going to fall into place if you're not prepared for it. Like I always say that there is no such thing as luck. It's preparation meets opportunity. Mm. Yeah. I always say patient urgency. You got yeah, to for the opportunity, but urgent when it happens. Um, <clears throat> so in your opinion, Ryan, and I've never you know, read that you talk too much about leadership or anything like that, but I think to run a great business and even to be a good athlete, you have to at least lead yourself. Well, what do you think makes a good leader in your opinion? I don't really think I'm a great leader. I think I'm more of a great, oh man. And that's okay. I'm, it doesn't have yeah, to be about like, you. <laughs> I actually wish I was a better leader because I, I have a bunch of employees that I would love to have help me. But I'm very, very, it takes me a long time to let people in to help me. I don't ever think that anyone's going to do a good enough job. And I do way, way too much on my own. Mm. But I do think that the stuff that you do, you really have to love. Because, I mean, there's so many things in my life that I was doing just for the money for a little while. And when I dropped it and did the other things that I liked more, it was a, just a temporary decrease in profit. And then all of a sudden it would go up. I remember I was at a big, some big talk somewhere. It's actually, I was in San Diego and it had the guy from First Form, Andy Priscilla. Mm -hmm. And he was up there and he was talking and he was just like, man, just stop. Not just to me, but he was talking to everybody. He's just like, 
stop trying to like have like 10,000 side hustles and like all this stuff and just like focus in on what you're good at. And then like, it'll, it will all happen. And I remember it wasn't just so eloquently said like that, but it was basically, you know, put all this other little things. And at the time I had my gym and I was personal training, like probably four, probably like four people a day. I was making, I was probably making like an extra 10 G's a month in personal training or something like that. And it was a lot of fucking money for me. And I remember just, I remember right after that, I went home and I called them all and I was like, Hey, I'm not doing personal training anymore. And I just cut all my clients and I literally wanted to cry, but I was like, you know what I want to do is I really want to start promoting my online program more. I'm just going to start hammering it. Like I never really like marketed it. And then within I want to say like genuinely, like within like three months after that, three to four months, I was making like 20 grand a month on the online program. So I doubled what I was making just by cutting something out that was like taking up too much time. Yeah. But I was holding on to it because it was such a financial like need. But how much fucking money like do you really need? It's just like you, you, you need the passion to be there for your money to ever grow. Yeah. And I so mean, like, I, I, you know, yeah. I just focus on what I love now. That's good. You're so when did you make that transition? Was that a couple of years ago? Yeah, that was like probably three years ago. No, probably two. Only two. Okay. Actually. And you've got Dude, I like I, I skyrocketed like my stuff just like went absolutely mayhem like in two years. Yeah. Yeah. And two I mean it's I would say it was good timing because you know, as we both know, like social media is fantastic, but it's just more and more and more uh, overdone. I mean, it's harder to market on Instagram now than it was two, three years ago, dramatically. Yeah, if you're at the bottom right now, like trying to start, you're kind of fucked. It's so saturated. Yeah, you got to get TikTok or something. And I don't want to do that. Um, yeah. So you've got online program design. People are downloading it all over the world. How many, like, how do you measure that? How many, how many programs have you sold this year? I guess. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I sell tens of thousands of books, like. Like ebooks, like online. Yeah, consecutively. But then I have like thousands. Well, I get between like 10, 15,000 people a year just doing the challenges online just okay. the the nutrition challenges and then the people who are on my actual uh mobile app i actually just put on my website now which is really cool because a lot of people are like i don't think he has that many members like i would talk about how many people i had and i was like dude i need to show people like this is not a fucking joke so now you go to chalkperformancetraining.com you click chalk online you scroll all the way down and there's a map and there's all these blue dots and it yeah, shows sure. every single, yeah, it shows every member that I have all over the world. And now you can click on that dot and email them and say, Hey, like, do you want to work out? These are members that follow the program. And then as soon as COVID's all over, I'm going to turn the affiliates red so that those affiliates will get more drop-ins. They'll get more people like dropping into their gym and just being part of their programs and all that stuff, or maybe even getting new members just because they follow that program. That's really cool, man. I love that. I mean, it's, you know, it can seem sort of selfish sometimes when we chase what seems best for us, right? Like whenever you made the decision to cut your personal training clients, all of them were probably like, but Ryan, you know, like I need a great trainer. You're the best trainer. It was uh, tough. But then you went to online program design. And at that time, somebody might say, well, that's pretty selfish, Ryan. You just want to make more money. But now just like, forget about the money. You're helping affiliates and people all over the world. I mean, look better, feel better. The programs are sick. Like I'm not just saying that we like we do some of the workouts and stuff, especially the body weight ones these days. And uh, dude, the the body weight ones are insane. Yeah, I don't like some of them because they're harder than they should be. Um, yeah. <laughs> you're like, I just want to do an easy body weight workout, and you look at some, and you're like, I'm not doing that one. That was freaking hard. Every everybody's body weight stuff was so easy. Yeah, dude, I did not want to make bodyweight workouts for the life of me. Like I like, I was like, I'm not doing this, but I, 
but I felt so bad for the people that are at home that don't have a gym. Cause obviously I'm lucky I can just go in the gym because I own one. But like, I was like, well, fuck, how would I feel if I was like someone who like really cared about my body and I'm looking online and this is all I could find. So I was like, dude, I'm just going to make my own shit. And I made it all. I put it on the app, which I think is interesting because I'll put the workouts on the app and then sometimes I'll just make a book because some people don't like to pay for apps. They'd rather just buy a one-time book. And I mean, dude, I think I sold like probably like over 20,000 of those books like in just like the last two weeks, three weeks or something. Easy, man. So how- Fucking bonkers, yeah. How do you- um, But my shit's different. Like, you know, you can't find it anywhere else. We're, so on the marketing side, Ryan, like you seem to be pretty good at that. Do you, do you have a company that helps you with marketing or? So I actually started with one gal who worked for a huge company and she was doing such good work for me on the side that I was like, Hey, I'm just going to like, whatever you make at work, let me just pay you that you'll quit your job and you'll only work for me. And then I had friends who were like, Hey man, can you help me out? So then I was like, yeah, no problem. Um, so I would link them up with her. We would go over like a strategy with them. We do all the ads and stuff for them. And then we just take a percentage and we don't actually get paid unless the person, uh, does really well. Cause we only make a percent. We don't actually charge. So that kind of like grew. And then now I kind of have this other thing, it's, which actually, I think I just finished it like a week ago. So I'm going to start talking about it soon. It's called ghost management. That's the name of the company. That's ghost. Sick. I think it's dope. So it was like the only thing available and I don't know, but I really liked it anyway. So anyway, now basically if you qualify under specific standards, like I'm going to be able to like reach out to people and help them out and kind of do all that stuff for them too. I guess like digital marketing full service agency. Yeah, we do everything. We'll do all your email marketing, um, all of your actual online ads for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, whatever you want to be on YouTube. Even we do now. And it's dude, it's crazy how much it changes. Like I saw a huge return just recently. I did, you know, like when you, when you, when you, when someone goes to a cart and they get to the point where they're about to buy it and then they bounce and you have like the abandoned cart email. Yeah. So I started sending abandoned cart text messages and the text messages are very expensive, bro. Like for me to do like a month of text messages was like 1500 bucks. Wow. I think, or something like that, but I got a 10 X return. So $1,500 got me 15 grand in abandoned carts. So it's just like a small thing that made a humongous impact in my bottom line, just by adding this one little thing in. And then like, there's all these different, uh, like email marketing agencies or not agencies, but like, uh, platforms that you can go off of. Some do better than others. There's so much into it. And I think right now, everybody wants to download a course on how to do this or how to do that. And I think that that's not the way to go. And I'd rather just be the person who does what I love to do. Obviously that's what I've been saying this whole time. And then just pay someone to do that stuff. That's going to take you years to get good at. Like, do you really want to know how to do your own fucking ads? No. You want to get better at like making workouts. Like I didn't want to make bodyweight workouts, but I did. And it yeah. took me a lot of time. So I'd rather be doing that than, you know, figuring out how to run ads. And I think that's, I think this is going to change the game for a lot of people because I'm not the person who's like, Hey, I can make you a million dollars like by making this course and whatever. And instead it's like, Hey dude, like I'm going to help you out and I'm going to be your friend. <laughs> like, how about, how about that? Instead of like, you know, this promise. So does the chick still like she run that side of things? Yeah, she does pretty much all of it. And it's been life changing for her, which has been life changing for me because I'm getting to help this lady like on a, just a next level level like the amount of money that she's made recently, like she bought herself. Well, she has a new house that she lives in now. She bought her dream car. It's like, and I'm all part of that. And it's crazy. Like we talk to each other every single day. It's, it's the coolest. Like, and she has a little, a little girl and I'll like buy her gifts and stuff too. It's, it's, it's been cool. That's awesome, man. Did, so prior to all your sport, like, were you in business at all? Did you have any big business acumen? Uh, yeah. Okay. Would you say that you're pretty good now or would you say that like you have people like her around that? I mean, like helping you, you know what I mean? Um, it's like 50, 50, like a lot of the, the really good backend stuff is from her. 
but I, I keep a really good eye on like what works for me, all my analytics through my Instagram. Like I'll find out, you know, what time of day did I make the most amount of money through a post or through an online product that just came out. And like, I know which posts do good, which posts do bad. Like I, I don't mind posting a post that's only going to get a few hundred likes versus a few thousand because I know the type of the impact that it does on the back end. And like, I know what type of stories to put up. I know it, it, it's a, a lot of people are scared to like put themselves out there. Like, I don't mind wearing a shirt that says this guy fucks, you know what I mean? Or like to do something like that because it makes me different. You know, you're like, you, you can relate to that guy. You're like, he's cool. He's like, he's just like me or whatever. But when you're just a machine, this is actually one of the things I've talked to about, about Mark with Marcus Philly sometimes is like, dude, if people knew you more, like a little bit more, like I think, yeah, you would do better. You know what I mean? Cause he's just such a machine and all of his stuff is so like, you know, very regimented. Like it's like the same posts all the time. You know, yeah. he's always like very professional and I'm like, dude, cause, cause I hang out with him and he's like, he's got some good jokes. Like, but it just, <laughs> you never see it. That's funny. Yeah. I think that's true, man. I think a lot can be said about transparency and being yourself. I always say, be yourself unless you suck, then don't. But, yeah, touche. <laughs> I like that, actually. Um, then you need to Most people them. suck. Most people suck. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that's fascinating, man. I, uh, I envy that. I, you know, um, I've always been in business of some sort. I've always been entrepreneurial uh, and you know, so I'm, I'm always interested in how certain people build great things. And I think you've built something really great, especially amongst like how saturated because online program design has been saturated for some time now. Um, everyone and their mother is selling workout programs online. Um, so to do it well and to do it like with the level of growth you've seen, it's fascinating, man. Um, I, I think the only way it's possible is with my personal, like my, my personality, there's something about me that people like. And to be honest, I don't even know what the fuck it is because we manage, I manage so many other people that have like dope backgrounds, like dope, you know, like their, their body looks good. Like their programs are, are cool. Like, I don't, I don't know what it is. Like I have some sort of X factor. I know that just kind of like cuts through. But one other little thing I'd like, to, I'd love to bring up is I dated this girl named Nikki. She was part of Shreds. You ever Shreds? They were a huge company. Yeah. And this, this was actually when my entrepreneurial side of my, of myself kind of kicked in. This is like when I was starting to take 20% away and do this and that, 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 that whole talk. I remember dating this girl and then going to some of these meetings and the guy Arvin who owned the whole thing, Shreds. For those of you out there who don't know, this was like one of the first online supplement companies that was never in store that was almost worth a billion dollars at one point. Like they were so, so big and it all kind of crumbled because a lot of the athletes did a bunch of dumb stuff. But during that time, uh, these like 25 year old athletes driving around in Lamborghinis. Like I remember I went, I would go to a lunch with her and Joey Swole and Devin Physique and Paige Hathaway. And like all these people would roll up like fucking Lamborghini, Ferrari, like G wagons, all this stuff. And I was like, yo, what the fuck? Oh, they're like, this on? is real. That's crazy. And I would ask Nikki, I'd be like, cause she didn't make that much money, but like I, I could see who did obviously. And I was like, yo, how much money do these people make? And she's like, well, I know that, you know, so-and-so makes like 50,000 a month and that this person makes like, you know, like 40,000 or whatever. And I, and I know that this person made like a million dollars doing something. And I was like, wait, what? Like what? How is this possible? And then I remember looking at their Instagrams and like, they all had like 500 to a million followers, 500,000 to a million followers. And I was like, well, fuck, I can't do that because I'm not there. But I was trying to grow my Instagram. And eventually my podcast started. And when the podcast started, I had, I had somebody on the show who I really wanted to talk to. Like whatever you, whatever you're excited to talk to me about, that's how I was with this girl. I was like, man, I really want to know, you know, some of the business stuff. And she just kind of blurts out on the podcast. And she was making like $40,000 a month on some of her online products. 
but here's what put the light bulb in my head. She only had 10,000 followers on Instagram. And I was like, whoa, what? You make $40,000 a month and you only have 10,000 followers? And like while I'm interviewing her at the time, I think I had 80,000. And I'm like, okay, this shit is possible. It's just like you have to market it in a, in the, a right way and you have to do all these little things. So I started to learn what all those things were. And then that kind of just like, it gave me the confidence that I didn't need the million followers. Yeah. I actually have a podcast called like, it doesn't matter how many followers you have. And, and I talk, I, I talk about it with her husband. Okay. And we talk, and we talk about like how paid advertising and stuff kind of goes into everything now. Like Instagram is a hundred percent pay to play now. Yeah, for sure. It's just, it's just hard because you know, when you start paying for ads, maybe you're spending a hundred bucks a day. I don't know, like 20 bucks a day. Some, a lot of people are going to tell you like, dude, you can get by with like five, 10 bucks a day. And yeah, you can. But what about the guys now who are spending a couple grand a day? Yeah. It's kind of hard to beat them. Cause it's they're tough. already there. The big ocean. I, yeah. Dude, I spent a couple grand a day. On, um, on your program design alone, like, like selling different programs. Across all of my products that are on social media for sale, like it's a couple, it's a couple thousand dollars per day of just ad spend. Got it. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. And just for the audience, your podcast is Real Chalk, right? Yep. Real Chalk. Um, so, Ryan, what do you think? Like, do you think the future of chalk performance training is more locations, or do you think it's one location, more, more books across the world? Second one. Got it. Owning yeah. a gym is by far the gnarliest thing I've ever done. It's tough. And yeah. it's even gnarlier now. Like it, it just, it, it never gets easier ever. It just gets harder. Yeah. And it, yeah. Cause you know, you got a bunch of humans coming in and out of your store and dealing with humans is the hardest thing ever. Um, firing, firing people, trying to get a manager, you know, fixing stupid shit that breaks. And everybody calls you like when you're hiking a mountain in Switzerland, like in the middle of like nowhere and like the toilet's broken. I'm like, I'm not a plumber. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's ridiculous. I'm just like, how is, how is your brain working like this? But yeah, it's so rewarding though. But at the same time, you know, you, you weigh the risk with the reward. For sure. So if you could, Ryan, if you could give advice to your 20 year old self, what would you say? Start meeting as many people as possible. I think that the most important thing is how many people that you can connect with. Um, you never know what someone's going to say. Like you never knew by messaging me that I was going to actually be on the podcast. You might've learned, I might've said something that rung some bells for you. Everybody that you meet is going to ring a bell at some point. It's like being a coach and teaching somebody how to do a muscle up. Someone's going to say something that they think was so much better than what you said. And it was literally the same fucking thing with like one different word. Yeah. And I, our, our whole lives are like that. I feel like you're just waiting for the right person to come along to say just the right thing. And you're never going to know what that right thing is until someone says it. Yeah. So I think either starting a YouTube or starting a podcast or starting a social media channel. Um, like for me, like this year I started a Twitter, which I'm super late to the game, but it's actually brought me some business. Like it's, you know, it doesn't need to bring you all the business. It needs to bring you like that one person that spins everything out of control for you. It's, it's, it's totally possible for one person to change your life. Like, yeah, absolutely. I've had two people change my life in such an astronomical fashion that it's not even funny. Like the, the person that I opened my gym with, his name is Aaron. He made MySpace and sold it back in the day for like $55 million. So he sold it to Tom. Tom created MySpace, invented it. Aaron made it. Like actually like the operating software. Okay. So that's my business partner. Having him, like he was, I was training him. I had no clue who he was. He looked like a total bum. And from there, it just exploded into the gym. And then I would always be around him listening to some of his business deals that he was doing all the time. And then eventually on that podcast with the girl with 10,000 followers gave me that light bulb to, you know, just say, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter how many followers I have. It matters how passionate I am and then, and how smart that I am with my advertising. And then I met the girl who runs all my ads now, like, like those three people right there have 
literally those those three people. So one plus one plus one equals now. Yeah. You're one connection because, away from changing your whole world. Yeah, but if I just kept competing and I didn't put competing on a back end and meet Aaron as my personal training client who gave me the money for the gym and then stopped competing at that point a little bit more to get into having a podcast and having online programs, I wouldn't have met the girl on the podcast who told me that that one little thing that I needed who eventually led me to the person who runs my sales, who eventually created the the management company that I have now, who eventually created this couch that I'm sitting on in Newport Beach, California. Nice. It's fucking crazy. I love it. Who's your favorite person that you're following right now on social media? Woo. To be honest, I don't really look at anybody's stuff. I, I literally just post. Much. I, yeah, I, just I post and I just get off. I don't scroll a whole lot. I only look at athletes because like, I just, you know, love fitness so much and it, it fires me up before I work out and stuff to watch, like, you know, watch some stuff that you're doing. I'm like, I'm doing that today, you know, or, or really to watch these I do, dudes do power cleans and stuff. But I do love watching like new, like I do follow people who like create like a bunch of cool ass movements and I'm always stoked on that. I'm like, Oh damn, that's dope. And I'll bookmark it. I have like this whole folder of like movements that I'm going to, that I add into like my programs. It's something I've never seen before. That's like pretty much the only thing that I really look for on social media. I actually went on chalk performance training and I unfollowed everybody except our trainers. So right now all we do is follow five people. Nice. And then on my Instagram, I went through and just deleted a bunch of people. Now I think I only follow like maybe 200, but it's like, you just, I don't like getting caught on my phone. I don't even want to see all the shit that's happening. I just, I want to be the person that people are like, oh, that's dope, you know? Yeah. Yeah, like my explore page is literally a bunch of Chinese dudes doing like 500-pound power cleans. and Yeah. Like, how are they doing this? And I just get caught up watching them. doesn't make me much better, but. uh, Until you look at a new pair of shoes, and then it's just all shoes. Yeah. (laughs) What, uh, what's your favorite pair of shoes? Oh. Cross training. Not in general. Probably just Metcons, like like the old ones. Okay. I don't like the new ones. Hmm. I've never I like had the either. Old Metcons. Yeah. I um, also love Vans. I think Vans are a great workout shoe. Yeah, same. But the worst thing is, you know, for me, obviously, uh, you know, I don't create all, like if I go to the gym and wear Vans and then there's like running or something, I'm like this. Uh, oh, yeah, you're fucked. So like just for straight lifting though, man, I've been wearing, my dad probably has the same Vans from since like I was born. You know what I mean? Like. Vans have always been just what we wore, you know, and then I became a skater and it kind of just made sense. But who's your favorite CrossFit athlete right now? Mm. It's tough because I don't even really like, I don't even really like look at that stuff at all. Oh, you know what? Uh, I like um, Chandler Smith, the black dude. Yeah. He's just a super rad guy. I really like him a lot. Nice. And I've just like, I've just, yeah, I just really like him. He's a cool dude. Yeah. He's entertaining too. I like following him. Um, and he's got some good stories, man. He's like missing one of his fingers and he still fucking crushes. Like, absolutely. And he's like in the military too, I think. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's dope. For sure. He's by far my favorite. Nice. Love that. All right. A um, couple more rapid fire questions and then I'll, I'll let you go, man. Um, are you a reader? Do you read books? Do you like reading books? I like to listen. More okay. of a podcast. What's your favorite podcast? I like listening to Tony Robbins a lot. And I like Tim Ferriss. Love Tim Ferriss. Yeah, like I I might skip like 10 or 15 Tim Ferriss episodes until I see one that sounds good. Yeah, because he's all but, over uh, the place. Like his, his all over guess, the place, yeah. yeah. Um, but when he has when he has a banger, it's a good banger. And then Tony Robbins, dude, fuck, he's just so gnarly. Like he just has the craziest people on. He's oh, so- I mean, he, he he has one with uh, Mike Tyson that kills, and then the notorious MMA guy. I forget his name. Yeah, um, <laughs> like the biggest name in the world. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, he's on there. Um, yeah, he has some just insane people. There's some girl on there who invented Spanx which is like the female, yeah. you know, underwear deal. Sarah and like, she's created, she, yeah, she's worth like billions of dollars now. 
that episode was really dope. I just listened to that last week. Super good. But yeah, he has just amazing, amazing business and life stuff all mixed together, which is just amazing. That's sick. Um, and these, these last two questions, I think I got from Tim Ferriss's podcast. Um, what's the best hundred dollar or less purchase you've made in the last six months? hundred dollars or less. Probably that avocado spread from, uh, dude, the primal kitchen mayonnaise is next level. <laughs> um, that's probably it. I mean, but I've been buying that now for like probably two years now. But that, yeah, that's 10 bucks and it'll change your life completely. Yeah. Primal Kitchen Chipotle Lime Mayonnaise. You can't get the garlic one. You can't get the plain one, the Chipotle one. And it Where? just changes everything. Where is it from? You can usually get it in Whole Foods, but you can buy it on Amazon. You can buy it on their Primal Kitchen website. You can get it in any kind of hippie store you have near you. Yeah. But it's probably, it's not going to be like in your, in your main, like your main yeah. shopping stores. Last one. If you could put anything on big white billboard in, you know, the busiest street, you know, what would it say? Eat less carbs. <laughs> That's good. Western culture could use that for sure. Well, dude, Ryan, I mean, I could do this all day, but neither of yeah. us have all day. So, um, Man, I really appreciate you making the time, especially with the technical difficulties we had in the beginning. Hey, man, how far is uh, Newport Beach from San Diego? Um, a solid hour and 15 minutes. Cool. I'm coming to San Diego in August to run a half marathon. So You should for sure come up. Yeah, definitely will come up. Um, I imagine things will be somewhat more normal then, but Probably. we'll definitely be open and we'll get a lift in. Um, Oh, dude, I'll take you all over the place. Like, I'll, I'm like an adventure junkie. I'll show you all the things. Let's do it. I love bike riding. I rode 100K on Saturday. That was a first for me. Um, How far is that? 62 miles. Okay. Just sounds cooler when you say 100K. Yeah, it does, for sure. <laughs> I, was, I was way more impressed when you said that than when you said 60 miles. I was like, damn. <laughs> Crap. Um, so yeah, man, I'll, I'll connect with you when I, when I come out there, man. But in the meantime, I really appreciate you jumping on and uh, I'm sure we'll connect in the meantime, bro. But before oh, yeah, man. have an awesome Thank you. Day. I appreciate it. Absolutely. See you, bro.